Welcome to the Good Talent Podcast. My name is Nicola Barton, Account Director at Good Talent Media. And today, again, I am joined by Supervising Account Director, Caroline Fleming. Hello, Caroline. Hey. And today we are talking all things bugbears as former journalists now working in PR. As we both know too well, bugbears are things that journalists have against the PRs. I mean, Nicola and I both know as former journalists who jump to the dark side, as it's known in that sort of industry. There are so many things that organisations can do wrong or I guess comms agencies or PR people can do wrong in terms of getting that sort of cut through and, and speaking to journalists and trying to get their story in. And it's honestly the most basic things. I mean, today we're talking things like photos and being prepared and we'll launch into that a bit more but it is such simple things that as an organization you need to be aware of and actually working on even in your 2023 comm strategy to get these things right because it makes a difference in terms of cut through or not Mm. And, and they might seem like the most simple things but having been on the other side of the fence like yourself these things are popping up constantly and they really do rile up journalists This is the whole reason why Good Talent Media was founded. It is to bring former journalists together who know what journalists want, who know what makes a newsroom tick, and to apply that to how we do PR. So whether you do have a PR agency or whether you are a business looking to, you know, get your voice out into the media space, these little bugbears that we have will definitely help you to get more cut through. So let's, I guess, launch into it with the the first sort of point being As simple as being on time and punctual, there is nothing more annoying than talent or an organisation or people who you're speaking to being late or rambling and just having absolutely no idea of their message, what they're actually trying to get across. Essentially wasting a journalist's time, would you agree? Absolutely. I think news in general is a very fast-paced industry and there is not time to waste a television journalist may have multiple stories to do in one day. They're there to get the job done and get out of there. If they show up to a filming site, uh, maybe it's at your premises or, or maybe it is something, an event that you've organised and there isn't a space prepared for them to film, that takes time out of filming. That could be more time put into a really good interview, but it is wasted, you know, cleaning the space or setting up or, or whatever it might be. So always make sure you're on time and that the, the space is prepared for those journalists and crews that are coming. You have to remember that there is a time slot allocated. Like in my old role at TVNZ, like my role was to book cameras for reporters as well in my like early, early days. And it was like, look, you've got an hour with this camera person and if you don't get it done within an hour, tough luck, you're coming back and that story's probably going to be scrapped. And it links as well to that sort of rambling piece. Like as an organisation, if you haven't got your message clear or your case study, you haven't briefed them and they just go on and on and on and on, for an hour of that time, that journalist just isn't going to have the time to really get a proper interview. They have to cut it off early. You never would have got to the point that you probably wanted to. Or they'll go back and listen to it and go, oh, I can't really use most of this. There's probably like a line. And too often we hear clients say, oh, I was only, you know, they only used one line of mine. And it's like, well, it's probably because you actually brutally didn't say enough with substance in the time that was allocated to you from that journalist. Mm, Absolutely. And, you know, speaking in those full sentences, speaking in sound bites, it is an art form, obviously, and it's something that we work on our clients with constantly. But you might have said such a great line, but because you kept rolling into the next sentence, they couldn't chop it up to be exactly what you need it to be. So it really is setting them up for disappointment at the end of the day. Yeah. And it links well to probably one of our other points and it's around um, the difference, you know, if you're saying something off the record or you're trying to background a journalist, off the record, 
a journalist will not really listen to you unless it's a backgrounding chat. But I was telling Nicola earlier, you know, my editor would tell me to hang up the phone if someone said, but this is off the record, because it's no use to us. It's time that a journalist is being paid to do things and they're not going to be able to get what they want. And in that sort of space, anything you say on the phone is quotable. So if you're rambling and you say something that you probably didn't mean to say or it was said in a way that wasn't proper, that journalist can quote that and you're not going to like what that sounds like or what it's going to come out like and you'll probably read it out of context, but you probably just said it in the moment. So that links back to being so clear on the message, what you're trying to say, what you're trying to achieve, and every yeah. word has a meaning when you're doing an interview. It's, it's, it's not a casual chat if it's going in the paper or on the news. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, once the interview's over, we, we sort of lose that control. But when we're in the interview, we have absolute control of what we say and what we answer and how we answer it. If we did say something and we didn't signify that that should have been off the record, yeah, the journalist does have free reign to take mm. that and use it. Mm. Coming from a background in print journalism, one of my big bugbears was when I would print a story and, and I'd get someone come back and they'd want to change things or they'd want to, they didn't like how they sounded in a quote and they'd want it to be edited. It you just know, wouldn't happen. It doesn't fly. It doesn't. I mean, <laughs> truthfully, like once the story's gone to air, it's in print, that's gone. Online can be edited, but you can burn a bridge with a journalist if you're going back 20 times trying to edit their stories because they just won't. Again, back to my editor, I make him sound like a bad man, but if I said, oh, so-and-so wants this, this and this change in the copy, he'd laugh unless it was factual, like it was a factual issue or it was something that is needs to be probably be corrected for like that sake but if it was just I don't like this way I sound that quote this I want to be changed it just won't happen it won't fly you know that person's superiors would have heard it for 20 years or have heard it forever like we have in PR but yeah it's just just won't happen yeah and I think it's important for businesses to use that as, as a learning experience if you don't like how that quote sounds then yeah maybe you can fine-tune your messaging and, and do a bit of media training and that sort of thing but certainly as you said best way to burn a bridge with a journalist is being quote-unquote needy yeah I guess it's a, being a bit of a control freak really mm. As you said, and as I've experienced myself, the journalist and the editor will just sort of laugh it off. So <laughs> let's move on, Caro. I want to talk about blurry photos because it was one of my biggest bugbears and, and something that, you know, I could have a fantastic story that was front page worthy and it would get pushed back to the back of the paper if it didn't have a really strong photo to go mm, with it. Totally. We have seen time and time again as journalists blurry photos or selfies. They will not use a selfie in the media unless it's probably like a tragic death story <laughs> and they need something. You I know? shouldn't like, laugh, but no, that's, that's It's, it's the truth. Correct. They're, they're, they're not going to use like a Facebook selfie or photo if there is an opportunity to have a better one. I knew that from, you know, my sort of time, I guess, sort of like court reporting or things in the breaking news space. That would be the only time I would get a green tick from my editor to sort of upload something like that. But otherwise, we need that good quality photo. Or like you said, the front page story is going to go to page 16 and probably get a little sidebar. Like it's, it completely pushes your story down. And so having that landscape, not portrait, I could never put a portrait photo into Mm. any of my stories. Having that high-res landscape photo with the talent and also another thing to remember is the talent or yourself matching the tone of the story. You know, Mm. if you've got a landscape headshot of your CEO smiling and it's a story about something devastating, it will not get up. They won't use that. It doesn't make sense. The importance of photos is massive 
in your comm strategy, but just generally forever. You have to be getting your photos right and it's so important. Absolutely. And I mean, we're in the new year now, so I think it's a really great time for businesses to take that advice on board and organise a photo shoot to get those suite of images behind them, get the smiling photo, get the arms crossed photo, because that's what newsrooms are looking for. And we know that there is less photographers around, so it just increases those chances of, of getting that, that top story. And probably one of the final points would be, we've spoken in previous podcasts and yeah, if you work with Good Talent Media, we always talk about the importance of a case study. But as well as a journalist, how often will we have a case study we interview who at the last minute goes, oh, but you're not going to use my name mm. or I'm anonymous. No, it, mm. it, honestly, <laughs> back to my editor. Sorry, this is the, he's getting a lot of shout outs in this uh, episode, but the only way you would get an anonymous source in is if it's a super sensitive topic, like a private mm. topic. That... Or if you're a trashy magazine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it really comes back to that, you know, that, that notion of authentic journalism. It's Mary from Melbourne could be anyone. We need to know it's Mary Smith or, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. I know that's what we learned at journalism school around, like, you know, it sounds like a fake source. Yeah. You could make it up if it's that. And, and that's sort of what... We come back to needing authentic journalism. Authentic journalism is, is full-named, photographed people mm. who can actually go out and say, and of course we understand that a lot of people won't feel comfortable or won't want to go out there and sort of tell their stories, but in that case, if you're partnering with them, we, we can't use them. That's the cold, hard truth of mm. the, the journalist game. I think that comes into preparation as well when we are selecting our spokesman or selecting our talent, that we do have that full suite of approvals that they're willing to be filmed, photographed, whatever it might be, named, because too often in my journalism career that would come out at the last stroke of, oh, but we don't want our photo to be in that or, you know. And I guess our last point and probably arguably one of the biggest ones is unrelated or irrelevant pitches or, or things with, I guess, what comes to substance of what we do, stories with no story within it. I mean, too often we both would have got phone calls. I used to get media releases as, I think at that time I was a court reporter or an education reporter and I would get things on new restaurants opening in the city and have people calling me and I just think that's absolutely nothing to do with me. Like, you've wasted my time calling me and I think as an organisation, if you, you know, if you are pitching yourself or you've got a PR agency, it's the absolute must that you are reaching out to the right journalists with your stories and your stories are actually stories. Mm. And all that takes is a bit of research, a quick Google search, where exactly is the location of this journalist, what exactly are the topics that they're covering. Because, yeah, in my previous experience, the publication I worked for had the word West in it and I would get so many Western Australian pictures, even though we're based in Sydney, and it used to drive me mad. Mm. So, yeah, it probably is more for those businesses that are pitching themselves or have comms teams that are pitching. But I think it is something to look out for when you are selecting a PR agency as well, is how much newsroom knowledge that they bring to the table. And as an industry leader, I mean, a lot of our clients come in as industry leaders and they know the journalists that write their stories because they read them every day. So if you are across your industry, you'll know who it is and what they sort of write and the sort of things they need to build out a story. And it's it's just being aware of that when you're pulling together your things and well, this was a nice little rant, Caroline. It was. <laughs> I mean, we're definitely taking it back to how bugbears of journalism, which can be a... I mean, it's a brilliant tool for us to know in this job and, and working as PRs is it's at the absolute core of this business to come together and, and do everything we can with our clients to ensure that these bugbears are not met because we don't want to ruin our relationships with journalists either. So we absolutely know that 
it's not going to fly. So something to definitely keep in mind as an organisation in 2023. Thank you so much for your time, Nicola. Thank you, Caroline. Yeah.